Thank you so much for listening to DNVR Biz. For the 95% of you that are listening to this through a mobile device, I would really appreciate it if you opened up that app right now and gave this a five-star review. It's the only way for this podcast to become more visible and reach more people. Thanks again. Welcome to another episode of DNVR Biz. I'm Brandon Spano, and today we have one of my favorite people in the entire world. Uh, This is a guy that I've known for a long time. We started at the absolute bottom together, and we've just kind of worked from across the country, but watching each other back and forth. And I'm really proud of him. He's really proud of me. We talk, and I get him on as many of our programs as we can as often as, as, as I can. And he's just an amazing guy and, and he's accomplished so much. We have Emery Hunt. He is the CEO and founder of Football Game Plan. Uh, they call him the czar of the playbook. And this is the guy that started out by pumping written content into forums, creating memberships in these team-specific message boards and trying to get it in front of as many people as he could with his own self-promotion and then slowly started doing video in like 2009, 2010, just kept at it and was slowly building a Twitter following, eventually started really building that up, taking any opportunities as he could. He was like doing color color analyst and division three games and scouting D3 and D2 college players for people. And, uh, you know, eventually ended up creating this big YouTube audience. Then he started crafting these books that he was selling on his channel. And, you know, at this point, he's on CBS. He's on The Athletic. He's got this huge business. He's got millions and millions of views. And he's this uber successful media entrepreneur living in New York now. And he's just created the dream scenario for himself. And it's super Super inspiring to watch. I can't wait to have Emery Hunt on. This is arguably the best interview that I've done. And this probably is is just one because, you know, one of my favorites because this really speaks to me a lot. This particular interview really speaks to me a lot. Let's jump to books. We're still talking mindset. Carol Dweck. The quote today is, the people who start out the smartest don't usually end up the smartest. This goes back to the growth mindset versus the fixed mindset. And I love this quote simply because it's so true. And I think that even people that I talk to consistently tell me like, dude, the transformation has been insane. You're such a different person, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, the thing about it is that I've just wanted to learn and I've wanted to grow and I've consumed so much written content and audio content through books and podcasts and obviously lots and lots of books. But, you know, I I think that I'm just a more well-rounded person. And this this book quote isn't so that I can toot my horn on this podcast, but it's just to say that I think that people that have a growth mindset that want to change and that want to grow, they do. And I think a lot of times what happens is someone who maybe starts out thinking that they're the smartest or is the smartest. If they don't have that mindset, it doesn't matter because at the end of the day, they're not going to, or at the end of their life, they're not, they're not going to end up being smarter or being as introspective as, as somebody that has went through uh, the growth and, and tried to improve themselves. Let's jump to stocks. We're going to talk about Square today. Uh, one of the only stocks that survived the day. Lots of death on the battleground today. But Square is up over 6%. 
Uh, Square is a lot like Amazon in the sense that uh, it's being fueled by the pandemic. Square leverages online purchases probably more than any other company uh, as far as a, a transaction, you know, a transaction element goes outside of PayPal, of course. But you're seeing Square in many more retail spaces and things like that. And so, you know, a lot of stores are using Square uh, online stores and, and Square is up uh, six points today. It's up to 126.08. It's all-time high, but every day is essentially an all-time high for Square and has been for the last four months. You know, I, when everybody, they were a part of the, the hit in March when the COVID news dropped, but by mid-May, they had reached their pre-COVID stock price, uh, which was just above $82, and then now they're at 126 and they keep climbing, and it doesn't look like there's any reason for this to stop. So this is a company that's uh, one of those venture-backed companies that went public and is doing really, really, really well. 126.08 on SQ. Let's go to uh, Bitcoin, 92.50 on Bitcoin. Nothing much to say there. That's price that it has been, right? Let's go to the interview now. Emery Hunt, the czar of the playbook. Thanks for joining me today. Glad to be on, man. Appreciate you having me. Man, you have quite the journey, man. You have quite the journey. I think that we met in 2008, 2009, I want to say. And you had just started Football Game Plan, I think on, in 20, 2007 or 2008. And you were getting the YouTube account going and, you know, you're, you were going to forums, team forums, uh, as many as you could find for every single team in the, in the NFL. And you were asking the members, Hey, check out these videos. Hey, check out this, this uh, scouting report I did on your draft picks. Hey, check out this, you know, video that I did on your favorite team, on your favorite players. And you were just hustling, man. And I just was thinking like, damn, this guy, this is grinding hard, man, for a couple of views because you'd click on those videos and they'd have like 68 views or something. Well, if you do that for about 10, 12 years, things happen, right? <laughs> it's the equivalent of selling CDs out the trunk of your car. That's right. right. That's exactly right, which I've done in the past. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So... I would love to just talk about that just to start this off. Cause there's probably a lot of people that are listening to this that are trying to say, how do I break into media? How do I make a name for myself? And so let's, let's talk about that because before the athletic, before CBS, before YouTube channel with millions and millions of viewers, that was you, you were doing that. You were just hustling the site to site, trying to make a name for yourself. You were an analyst in the women's broadcast network. I mean, you were getting in anywhere you could get in. So just, I guess, maybe talk to the viewership about that mentality. Yeah, you have to find a way to make a way, as we like to say. When you talk about football game plan and how it started, it, it's weird to think back, you know, to the initial phone calls uh, me and a couple of friends of mine had of, man, we need to start a site and coming up with a name, coming up with a, you know, platform, a logo, all that good stuff like that. And you ask yourself, like, all right, so this is step one. 
but we know we got good content. We know we know the game, but how do we get everybody else to check it out and view it and listen to it? And, and it's just weird to see it go from where it was to where it has come now to where people stop you on the street and say, I recognize your voice. You know, you do analysis for Georgetown or this division three game, or I've seen your videos on YouTube and, you know, so, it was a process and starting it was just, you know, okay, let's try this out. And then let's try that out. And when you talked about the forums, the forums were like huge at first uh, because initially it w- we were doing articles and, you know, people considered that spamming. So when we started to add video in 2009, 2000, yeah, 2009. That was that early it, on video, by the way, that was early, early on video. Because here's the thing, and I'm glad you brought that up because people used to say, and I used to take pride in everything that I put out. And so I used to tell people, hey, man, I have a, I have a show. And they say, okay, yeah, what station is on? Like, oh, it's on YouTube. Oh, oh it's on YouTube. Yeah. So yeah. That, right? <laughs> oh, that's so fast true. Forward, fast that's forward so style, true. <laughs> everybody is doing YouTube now. And so, you know, you, saw, you find people try to get into YouTube when you were ahead of the curve. Because again, we saw a situation, oh, you know, where everybody, we knew that people stopped reading. People don't like to read, you know, and so why waste our time with these articles? Just pump a video up and get our point across that way. It's a new medium. My background is in broadcast journalism. So I had the know-how of the technical things to set up the camera, the lights, the mics, all that good stuff like that. So that was the part that I, I thought I had a, a, a pretty much an edge on. You combine that edge with my football knowledge and, you know, experiences, it just made for a perfect storm and just staying consistent with it kind of helped, you know, blow it up to where it is today. Yeah. So this leads me to an interesting question. I've thought of this on myself a lot. And and this happens because I think we have an obsession in America with self-made and I thought of, I always kind of thought of that as well. And, And people started asking me over the last couple of years, these questions are, or, or giving me titles and stuff as I've had some success here. And the more I thought about it, I was just, I would think like, man, I'm so far from self-made. It seems like when you think over the years, there's just so many people that help you that have helped you. And then the bigger my company's gotten, the more people we have here and, and the more people that do things. So my answer is always no, but I've always actually thought of you as one of the very few self-made in the sense that I feel like I've watched you build this brand that, you know, there's been a couple guys we've seen on the side, but for the most part, man, it's always felt like you and your thing. So with that said, do you consider yourself self-made? I thought the same way you did, man. And I had the same realization. It's easy to say self-made because, you, you know, we all have a little bit of, you know, arrogance about what we built. You know, you look at your company and where you built and where you come from, it's easy to say, yeah, I didn't have, you know, parents to give me this or friends to fund this. That's right. So theoretically, you could say, oh, yeah, I'm self-made. But no, that's right. You are a bigger part of football game plan as anybody because you gave me my first opportunity on the radio. And that was well, well before I ever had been on the radio. I had never been on the radio and had never had that type of exposure. So you are a part of the story and there's so many people like you along the way that give you a hand up to allow you to, because think about it. If you would have given me that platform and I bombed it or was terrible or I was terrible prior to you reaching out and you would have never reached out if I had bad information or bad content, 
So when you have people that are willing to, hey, let's give you an opportunity here to show what you got, you got to take that ball and run with it. And so if it wasn't for you giving me that opportunity or it wasn't for someone else saying, hey, we need a, a color analyst for this women's tackle football game. Are you interested? Sure. And me saying yes. You know, it, I, I learned a long time ago, you got to earn the right to say no. You know, wow. you say I love that. I love if, that. If you yeah. say no to all these opportunities, like, no, I, I deserve to be on NFL, this NFL show on Sundays talking NFL. And when I, I thought like that early on in like 2009, I go back and watch those videos and I say, man, I wasn't ready to be on, you know, the BFL. (laughs) (laughs) But now, but you have to go through those things. You have to hone your skills, get ready. And there's so many people along the way that play an integral part. Some people may see it as small, but those small parts that they play in the overall football game plan story is huge. That is the strength that, kind of ties this whole thing together. Man, I love that the idea that you can't you you have to earn the the right to say no. I love that because that's the mentality that I'm going to take every single opportunity big or small that comes my way no matter what it is because that's exactly what it is an opportunity and you've definitely done that. I've definitely done that. There's a lot of people that we've seen along the way that haven't done that though, right? And and they've been waiting for the big thing and now they're doing something else right because you don't know when that next opportunity is going to come from and it's prime here's another example for the longest i used to celebrate getting approved media credentials to events because it was big you know used to get denied for everything then it starts with the college game you know it starts small college and you're getting approved to go to Pitt or the syracuse and so i remember you know trying to get approved to go cover nfl games in person I kept getting denied by the Giants, by the Jets. So after two years, I'm thinking, all right, let me just try Philly. You know, it's nearby. It's about 90 minutes away. I could drive down there. So I reached out, and the guy responded back. He was like, yeah, absolutely. You can come, you know, this game uh, is the game you want, and here's a parking pass. So when I get when I get down there, and this was 2015, I had just came out with these two books, Football, the Love Story, and What Did Football Teach Me? So I gave him two books as a thank you in a, in a football game plan mug. Like, hey, man, I appreciate you giving me an opportunity to come in. He was like, oh, no, I already knew who you were when you reached out. He said, I played Division three ball at Tufts. And I remember you breaking down, like, these D3 games. On- <laughs> like, wow. And he's great. like, he, you know. And so, so knowing that guy, you know, watched the videos from afar, but now he's in a position he was at the time the PR director for the Eagles, you don't know. So if you say, if I was to say, hey, man, I'm just covering Power 5 football and NFL football on my site, that's it. I would have missed all those opportunities of people that are fans of smaller colleges, women's tackle football, arena football. And you learn a lot along the way how much you love the game and how much each game means to, you know, different people that play it or view it. And I would have been doing myself a disservice had I closed those doors back in 2007 when we started this whole thing. I'm going to go off the path here of the questions that I have for you because I just have always wondered this. How did a Louisiana boy end up moving to the big city in New York and building a business in New York? And I mean, I just felt like you were like, oh yeah, odds aren't against me enough. Why don't I just stack them real high? You know, like what made you, how'd you end up out there? Well, two, two reasons, two things. First of all, 
I'm from New Orleans, and we view New Orleans how New York City views the rest of the state of New York. So we like to say, I'm from the state of New Orleans. Okay. So you're talking about Louisiana. Okay. Yeah, Louisiana over that way. But New Orleans okay. Fair so enough, fair was, enough, fair enough. I was always a city guy, number one. But the company I worked for, I was a motivational speaker and recruiter in New Orleans. My territory was southeastern Louisiana to eastern Mississippi, so up to Gulfport, Mississippi. So gave me a, a pretty good radius. And I was, you know, working hard. I was number one in the company. Katrina hit. And, mm. you know, when Katrina hit, it threw everything off. And the majority of the company relocated to Houston. And I didn't want to go to Houston. I had, at the time, I had evacuated by, the, by a college teammate of mine up in uh, nearby Jackson, Mississippi. It was in Greenville, Mississippi. And if people recognize that name, that's where Jim Henson is from, Muppets. So <laughs> I got a lot of You know, of you're in the South whenever every city is represented by the one person who accomplished something that is <laughs> exactly. from that city. <laughs> so I'm up there and, and the managers called in and said, hey, are you going to go relocate? We could move your job to Houston if you want to. And I was like, man, you know, I don't, you know, I just don't know. I don't like to I don't feel like I like Texas like that, you know, and the other, another side of the company, uh, uh, this is they too were, honest. There were two, I was dead serious. Cause Texas just seemed like, uh, it, it just seemed like Louisiana to me and not new Orleans. So, um, Oh, this is the same. I mean, I grew up in Denver and people are like, Oh, you grew up in the mountains. I'm like, no, man, I grew up like in Denver. I grew up like in downtown Denver. <laughs> and so I, I was sitting there and rewind a little bit because me winning the award for being number one in the company, they flew me out to the company awards that year, which was in San Diego. And the other side of the company were recruiting me. And they were like, hey, we want you to come on, on our side, which is an automotive side. And I was like, yeah, I think about it. Because I, when I was going to go back to New Orleans, I was going to quit and then join. I had three coaching offers, college football coaching offers. So I was going to take that one of those offers and get back into college coaching because I left coaching to do corporate America. And I found that I, I love football and I hated working in corporate office, even though the job I had, I was good at it. I just didn't love it. But I saw competition to be number one, and I wanted to be number one. So fast forward now to Katrina, the company I was working for on, on the current side was trying to get me to Houston. The other side of the company said, hey, we have an opportunity with, within our company. You can go and recruit, and you can join, join us. I was like, all right, cool. He was like, well, you got two spots you could choose from, New York City or Southwest Missouri. <laughs> I was like... <laughs> I don't even know where Missouri at. So I'm going to, I'm saying New York is like perfect. And so that was the, the deal. So I moved up here and, and been here ever since. For people who are listening to this and trying to create a name for themselves in the media, what would your recommendation be? Be uniquely you, man. Just here's the thing. And we could talk how we talk and, and, and people that listen to us that know us know that's, uniquely us you know and if you're honest if you who you are if you're true to yourself then people will respect that prime example when you know if i know how i like style and how i dress on videos or i make a big deal of what i'm wearing when i'm broadcasting the game people know that's me and if it was me trying to follow trends and dressing how you know what's trendy then people will say, oh, he's just trying to be someone else. But being myself, I'm always going to, in being yourself, you're going to always be truthful. You're going to be honest. You're going to be upfront. You're going to be consistent. 
And all of those things will draw people to you because people like stuff that's authentic. And when you're authentic, people tend to respect that. And, and that's how you can navigate through any area. Speaking of that, I need you to show me how to do one of those thick tie knots, man. <laughs> those things, those, those, those things, knots. Those, those things pop, man. Right, oh, listen, man. YouTube helps me, man. I had to learn how to cut my own hair during this pandemic, so YouTube helped me do that. Let me and just say, folks, you're lucky. Time. You're lucky. This is an audio interview, not a video, folks. He, <laughs> he he didn't get the top figured out yet. Okay, so you put in all this work. But looking back, are there shortcuts that could have been taken? Huh. I think philosophically, people say, "Well, you gotta, you can't change a thing because it, you know, it kind of led you to where you are today." But I would probably be a little bit more apt on technology, and I was considering that I jumped out first on YouTube. But I, I feel as though, even looking back now, like man, I probably should have done more you know, the, the video and audio stuff. And we were some of the, we were one of the first ones to jump out on podcasting too, on block talk radio. And I used to tell people I had a, a Saturday morning show. Yeah. I, I, I've been on that show. Yeah, yeah. You've been on that show. And people say, Oh, what station is like, Oh, it's, it's uh, block talk. Oh, it's internet radio. And now look at us podcasting. Right? I, I, so, I want to tell you a story real quick. Oh, go, go ahead. Go ahead. Nancy. No, no, go ahead, go ahead. Okay. <laughs> the first time I was ever going to be on your blog talk show, I was, I mean, when was this? This was like 2010, yeah, 2011, 2011. Yeah. <laughs> 2010, 2011. man, I was having a rough go, man, uh, at the time. And I was driving and I ran out of gas. My broke ass ran out of gas. And I think I had to be somewhere. And in, in like 45 minutes, the interview I was going to do with you was like 30 minutes. I was just going to do it on my phone. It was a phone interview in my car. I had this dilemma because I needed to like walk to a gas station and I actually remember doing this interview with you. No one ever knew at the time, but this is just, I just remember stuff like this. I was walking to a gas station to see if someone would help me out to get some gas while I was doing an interview, you know, because I'm trying to maximize every opportunity I can here. And I forgot what ended up happening. I'm not sure. I, I, you know, I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure I've got some gas in that piece of shit somehow. But yeah, yeah, just crazy when you think back of all the stuff you've been through. Because I totally remember that walking through and being like, "Well, I, you text me like, yo, you ready to go? And you're about to be on live.'" And I'm like, Shh, "Let's do it, man." So you know, I just played it off. You know, I, I went on and and played the pro on 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 the phone while I was walking to the gas station, which I don't even, we didn't have, I don't think we could have Googled like closest gas station back then. I don't know. Not, I don't know. Everything was like, I think it was, everything was like print out map quest. <laughs> yeah. 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 So anyway, anyway, crazy story, crazy story. But those are the stories that matter, man. And, and it's like, I remember, I think it was last year when I was talking about football game plans growth, you know, I posted a picture out there or it maybe, yeah, it was, it was one of those social media type things that happens every damn day now, like where you were, where you are now. And so I posted a picture of me outside of a stadium, juxtaposed to me inside of a stadium. It's like, you know, what people don't know I, when I was doing these previews, I was outside cause I couldn't get credentials. Yeah. 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 I'll I look at in MetLife stadium, you know, you know what I'm saying? And so on the field, on the field, right. you know, doing it inside and those things you, when you're in it, 
you don't realize how big the moment is because you just think I'm just doing my thing. I'm just do this video, post it on YouTube. And yeah, I would love to be inside and, and be at the stadium, be at the game. But hey, I'm doing a preview and I want people to, to know my football knowledge. But when you're actually getting the opportunity to be in the stadium and be on the field and do those things, you think like, damn, this is really, this really meant a lot to me because I didn't quit. I didn't give up. And a lot of people, you've probably seen this as well. You see a lot of sites and a lot of people uh, trying to do what you do. You see that along the way. Right. And now they're yep. not doing it anymore, which one right. you question whether or not uh, they truly had the passion for it, which kind of weeds people out, survival of the fittest. And the second thing is that you wonder, at what point do you stop dreaming? At what point do you stop believing in yourself? You know, and I've been throughout my life, just kind of everything that I wanted to accomplish, I, I've done it. And it's, it's weird to see and say, because you say it and, you know, you speak it into existence and you put yourself in position, try to make things happen. And it was, you know, you, over the course of, of my lifetime, a, a lot of the things that I wanted to do, I would have said, I've done it. I've accomplished it. Are you happy with the independent route that you took instead of signing on to a big company early, which is kind of what everyone's always looking for the big job? You put yourself in a position now where you were kind of independent forever. And now what I see is you kind of have this, this personal brand and you're doing a bunch of side things for big companies. So I guess back to the question, are you happy with that route instead of signing on to the big company early and, and taking the guaranteed weekly check? Absolutely love this independent route because you know this, ownership is everything. And right. I don't think people realize or remember, look at someone like Chris Collinsworth. There was at one point in time when Chris Collinsworth was working for every network at the same time. You know, he was on HBO's I think real sports. Yep. He was doing Showtime in the NFL, inside the NFL. Uh, he was doing NBC Sports. He was doing Fox Sports. You know, so Chris Collinsworth was the template that I was looking at as I was, you know, navigating through this process. It's like, man, why can't I work for everybody and still own my own brand? And we position ourselves to do that because of the amount of stuff that we cover, football related. So someone wants me to talk fantasy, sure. I can talk fantasy. Someone wants me just to talk betting. I can talk betting. Someone wants to talk NFL. Sure. Major college football, small college football, XFL, doesn't, it doesn't matter because football game plan is the brand. I am the talent. And sure, I can outsource my talent without losing football game plan, the brand. It made so much sense. It was so smart to do because had I signed on to a company early, football game plan wouldn't exist as you know it. I probably would have had to stop doing football game plan. Yeah. Yeah. So this leads me to my next question, which was uh, how did you end up pivoting to books? And I guess it wasn't even really a pivot. It was just a, an, an added product, but you know, originally I was like, wow, this is, this is interesting. You know, I don't think I looked at it negatively or positively. I was just, I think I was surprised but then when I thought about it, okay, that made sense. You have this big platform, your social is growing rapidly. You have all these, uh, you know, people on, on YouTube that you can use as a sales funnel. And now you're, you know, selling these books. So first off, just what was the idea behind pivoting to books? And then second off, did that end up becoming a pretty substantial revenue generator for you? Sure. For us, it was like, 
how cool would it be to put out a book, you know? And then as with anything, you try to go about the proper channels, you get all kinds of no's. Like I didn't know there was like so many ways for people to say no. It was like, uh, it became a sport. You're like, whoa, man, this is... That's a great no. Right, right, right. Like, well, this guy, this is a 360 dunk from the free throw line. No, from this guy. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you get all these no's and you start to think like, man, why am I chasing that? When, like you said, we have built this, this brand. We had the reason we thought the reason why people go out and find publishers and, and book houses, you know, to sell their product because they don't have a platform to sell it which makes sense. If you don't, then that's an avenue for you to push it to the masses. But if we wanted to create a specific type of book, a football related book, well, damn, we're a football game plan. We have a football game plan, YouTube channel. We have a thriving Twitter page. We, I have a thriving Twitter page and I have the Facebook page that I've used to, you know, at one point in time, I was putting funny statuses almost daily and cultivated a book out of that. But I remember that one. <laughs> so we have we had outlets to you know reach our target audience and like okay now that that's solved let's create books that we would want to read and so the first one we came out with was stiff arming football myths you know yeah i got about, that one yep we, we kept seeing what people were saying these same things like you know playing home and away and all that stuff like that and we, we also like yo we were terrible in college at home and on the road, it didn't matter. <laughs> what we played, we were terrible. So, so it was the buck and miss like that. And so that was a, a big hit. And then I want to say at the time, and I hate to use that as the springboard to why we did this, our second and third books. But at the time, you had the whole concussion thing was huge. Everybody was talking about concussions, and I thought, man, it would be great to come out with something positive about the game right now. And so that's where football, a love story, and what did football teach me? the idea came. So we reached out to over 250 coaches, players, former players, guys that are still playing and, uh, you know, people that are, you know, in the industry or in a regular industry that have played the game, let's say like myself, right? And so we started reaching out to them and and asking them questions and we were going to put their answers in two separate books. So we created two separate books out of these conversations we had with over 100 plus, you know, coaches, entertainers, players, analysts, and it became a huge hit because it was, it's, you know, and you know this too, life is just about timing. That was a perfect time to come out with that book. So much so, you know, fast forward two years after we came out with the book, you saw ESPN come out with Basketball, A Love Story. I was so mad. And, and then you see, you know, this Football Matters thing. That and I'm a member of the National Football Foundation, but you see Football Matters come. So, again, ahead of the curve on that aspect. And, you know, that, uh, those books and, and, and the way they're selling and they're still selling, people still buy the first one, which, again, you create timeless content that people, you buy yeah, one book. I love that. Say, I like that. Well, what do you, well oh, this was great. Let me see what else you got. And they just constantly search stuff. That it also spawned our, something that we always want to do, but we had the opportunity to do it last year when we did, when we released the Go-Go Offense, which is a coaching book. And that's, you know, we paired up with Coach Brennan Marion, who, at the time, was the offensive coordinator for William & Mary. And I had done some games where he was OC at, at Howard. And we always talked about that, you know, because he had this unique offense that was dynamic, was putting up about 40 points a game. He's now the wide receivers coach at Hawaii. 
And, you know, at the time we were, I went down there on, it was Memorial Day. I drove down to Virginia to Williamsburg, beautiful town. And we sat there, I want to say, I got there probably around 9 a.m. And we were in the coaching office till about three. I was going through the whole offense like I was a player again. And we put together this coaching book and then released it two months later. And then boom, it's still selling. And it's going crazy to where now book houses are reaching out to me and saying, hey, we need 50 or 100 copies of the go-go offense. And so now you've become the, instead of you, you know, you said you going out and try to find people and you got tired of chasing people. Now you have people chasing you. And right, so, right, right. So it's just, a, it's the, you know, I'm not going to go out and look for you. I'm going to make you come and look for me. I'm actually going to do a podcast on this, it's, but it's, it's the four levels of luck. And, and one of those levels of luck is that you build a reputation and a platform big enough to where people are coming to you and like, you've essentially generated your own luck from that point. Yeah, that, that's so true. And it happens in everything. It, it happens in how I got started in broadcasting. It happened with these books. Uh, you know, you create your own luck, man, by just being vigilant, having a, having a plan, number one, and seeing it through. You know, imagine if you, after the first 200 no's, you stopped. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Right, so, right, right. <laughs> So, I mean, just, you just kind of, you have to be a little arrogant in, in your thinking that, man, I know I have a good product. I just need to figure out how to get it out to where people can view it. Is, is this the primary way that you monetize YouTube, this and other products, or is there sufficient money to be made with the pre-roll and mid-roll ads uh, that are played in there with that, that shared revenue? You have to have the ability to have multiple revenue streams, you know, even within your videos, you can have pre-roll, mid-roll, post-roll, you have in-video advertising, you have all that, those ways, you can have silent sponsors, you know, and, and there's a, there's a method to, to the madness that I do. And even down to the science of certain things that I say that people just think is part of the vernacular, but is actually part of a, you know, a sponsored a slogan or a sponsored way of doing things. So you got to be able to think outside the box. I, I, one of the greatest entrepreneurs that I saw growing up, and you know, it's going to sound weird, but it's so true, was Birdman. You know, I thought you were, I, 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 I thought you were going to say Master P. No, it was, it was, it was the first Birdman. Yeah, it was Birdman because Master P is different because he had to start out initially in Oakland before he made his way back home to New Orleans. Okay, okay. But here's the thing about what Baby used to do that was just so, like, genius now when you look back at it. But when you were in it, it was like, yo, this is just dumb. But he used to have, they used to sell, you know, cash money records for those that don't know who I'm talking about. But he used to sell these, these tapes and... You know, on the back of the tape, it said for Boogie, ugliest covers that you've uh, ever seen in your life. They'll, they'll say like, and it was shot like, and they were shot like with just like regular cameras. So the cover looked like, man, this is like somebody's photo in a photo album. <laughs> it does. And it just like random just stuck. To, so on the back, it says for booking information, contact this number, right? It sounds legit. You call a number and baby used to pick up the phone. Like it was, it was his number. So like, oh yeah, you need. Those were like uh, his business cards. Exactly, right? So you need tapes. He'll come, you know, and bring a boatload of tapes. You know, obviously you had to order by or book whatever by bulk. 
Uh, but I just found that fascinating that he actually put his real number on the back of these tapes. Uh, he used to pick up the phone. And, it's, and, and so you hear that, you see that, and, you, and him talking on his records way back in the 90s, talking about how he a billionaire, he going to, you know, cash money going to be on the Superdome and all this stuff like that. It just sounds like he's bragging. But over time, you're like, damn, a lot of what he was saying, he, it came true because he right. was believing in himself, believing in his product. So I, I think a lot of, of, of what he has done kind of filtered into how I go about my business. Eventually, it'll happen if you stick with it. And they stuck with it because there was at one time, there was two, for those that don't know, it was Cash Money Records and Big Boy Records in New Orleans. And Big Boy Records had all the top talent. So much so that when No Limit became a thing, they started to poach talent from like your mystical, your fiend. They started post talent from Big Boy. Wow. And Cash Money had to really revamp their their lineup because it wasn't they had they had UNLV, which is a great group, but outside of that they had BG and then that was it. They were dormant for a while. Then they came out with the hot boys. This was like around my sophomore year in high school. Oh yeah. But, yeah so yeah, they were the same where, age. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they were they were gonna they, Cash Money looked like it was gonna die out. But Talk about a person that had a plan, had foresight to, all right, let me try to regroup and re-strategize because I'm losing to Big Boy and now I'm losing to, to No Limit. And then boom, Cash Money is the one that we still know today, more so wow. than No That's so crazy because I can say there was a lot that I did, especially early on, that was directly attributed to my approach to hip hop. It was like exact thing because that was the this, this self- promotion, hustle, street team kind of vibe. And I absolutely took the same exact approach when I came in. And, and a lot of it is still today that there's just that whole thinking is that there's always a way you just got to figure it out. You know, and people, people don't, have, I don't want to say like, a, like we are old heads, but I feel like a lot of the younger up and comers don't have that same level of hunger or level of, you know, ingenuity now they're they're unique and great in a different way like they are savvy tech savvy they're up on trends right, right. They, they kill it on that part but the as far as like if a plan isn't working they don't go out and try to find a way they may complain a little bit and whine about it and try to create a way that way <laughs> when our generation was like all right well, we're just gonna set up shop across the street from your shop <laughs> and yeah, you don't know, right. out like that you know <laughs> Yeah, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. Okay, so how do you structure your time so that you can be everywhere you are all the time, everywhere? Because uh, it seems like in one day I'll see you, you'll like have a piece that comes out on The Athletic and you'll have two new videos that come out on your YouTube channel and you'll be at the Giants game and, you know, at, at like midnight you're doing this other thing because you're prepping for the CBS digital show that comes out the next day or something. So. I guess, yeah, first, first answer that, just how do you structure your time? And then maybe walk us through your sleep schedule, which is a big topic of conversation now. Cause it, cause I think like back in the day, remember, like it wasn't cool to sleep. Remember right, like, like right. if you were sleeping, people were like, Oh man, you know, but, but now we're learning like, Oh shit. Like if I don't sleep, like I actually can't be productive and stuff. So maybe just, just walk us through the whole lifestyle situation for Emory Hunt. First of all, there's always time to sleep you know, number one, like you're going to find time to sleep and eat. Like that's a given. Like I, I love people to tell those stories. Like, Oh, I'm up at four in the morning. I'm grinding all like, nah, bro. I sleep, I eat 
and then I go and make my day as efficient as possible. <laughs> um, but, you know, I was, I was always an early riser. So I'd go up, I'd get up, eat, go to the gym, come back, and it's still like 6.30 in the morning. So now I feel like I, I've cheated the day, right? So I, I'll, I used to record a ton early in the morning because at the time I had a job, you know, working with this company out here in New York. So I had to get all this stuff done before nine, before I hit the road oh. and go out recruiting, before I started doing football game plan full time, which was in 2012. So that, that whole setup was kind of helped prep me for how I go about my day once I had to do it full time. I record a lot early and, you know, some stuff you can either I record early or I write early. And then I'll spend a bulk of the middle part of the day either editing or watching film and, you know, going to the gym in the afternoon. If I don't go in the morning, use that as like my break. I'll eat, I'll go to the gym, come back, eat lunch and get back at it. But I make a point to stop at like 930. So that way I can, you know, do, you know, whether it's just detox, like read or watch mindless TV, like cartoons or something like that, uh, just to get your mind away from football. I mean, yeah, if stuff pops up because you're, you know, you're awake, you know, I could, you know, go and knock out another article and just kind of prep ahead. So for me, it's all about doing stuff early or right in that five to nine window to where you can kind of have the middle of the day to do different things in case you have to go and, you know, hop on a, a show in the middle of the day or, you know, go run to, that's the beauty about where we live because we're so close to everything. You know, this is a densely populated area and you're, let's say within three hours, you know, north and south, three hours, I can get to DC, I can get to Boston, you know, I can get out uh, six hours, I get out west of Pittsburgh, but you know, I'm in a great area, you know, I'm closer to Montreal than I am to Pittsburgh. It, it could take me like five hours to get to Montreal if I wanted to drive. So luck, number one, by having a great, being in a great area, picking a great area, and being efficient with your time within that area. Because you look at the amount of colleges that you have here and the amount of NFL teams that you have here. So you have a, in the networks that are here. So it may, like, you, to your point, it may look like, man, this dude was just at, you know, CBS. And now he's at the Giants game. And then later on that night, he's at, he's on, you know, this particular show. Well, you know, CBS is a 10 miles away from, MetLife, which is, you know, like another 10 miles from my house, or this other show is not, you know, I can join remotely and we could, you know, factor in where I, where I was and how, how I am able to get it done. So it's about budgeting your time, I think, number one, but always finding ways to eat, mentally get yourself, you know, away from your work, whether that's working out or reading a book or going to get a massage, and then always shutting down at a specific time and not trying to work through the night or burn it on both ends because you really do need to sleep because that's how you recharge. That's how you relax. That's how you are ready to go attack the next day. How are you uh, handling Twitter through all this, this time right now, man? Because man, it's, I got to say, it's taking a toll on me. It's pretty, yeah. you know, it's intense. It, it, it's intense, it, man. It's intense, man. Like it, it's funny because initially when I started Twitter, I didn't like it. I was like, "Why?" Wow. It sounds like I'm sending text messages all day. Like, it just sounds dumb. I was having Facebook <laughs> initially, right? And then I started to realize that Twitter was, be, was sticking around. It wasn't like this fad. 
So you have to be a little bit more engaged. And as you know, more people started to follow me, and I'm talking about in the hundreds at the time, I'm like, all right, well, I could maybe share my videos, maybe share my thoughts while I'm watching the game, maybe be try to be funny on Twitter like I was on Facebook. And then the followers start to, to grow, and then you start to say, okay, I can use this to connect and direct people toward my work, say some, some interesting stuff, and, you know, then afterwards hit them with a, oh, yeah, by the way, I, I talk more about this at this on this video right here. And then I started to put that into my, you know, into my videos, like, hey, follow me on Twitter. So now my YouTube family uh, are now follow me on Twitter to where they can get more direct contact to my analysis or maybe have me explain a little bit more because I'm probably a little bit more apt to respond faster there than in the YouTube comments. Right. Um, are, are you reading a lot of Twitter stuff or are you just posting and getting the hell out of there and, and replying to your, your, your specific mentions? Here's the thing. Twitter, what Twitter is good for, honestly, is, I, and I have to get back to the people always ask me all the time, when are you going to do some more commercials? I hadn't done one, I don't think, since 2014, maybe 15. And, but Twitter has become the best like breeding ground for, for jokes and, and content to, to make fun of. Like people say the darndest things on Twitter. Yeah, and yeah, so, yeah. and you see it a lot. And to where now I can use that. Oh, I, this would be a great commercial. Oh, that'd be a great commercial. Oh, I can make fun of this in the commercial. And so I've used Twitter for <laughs> that. If I'm, if I'm reading, I'm like, damn, that was dumb. Like prime example, the Pat Mahomes, Deshaun Watson draft class. And then the Lamar Jackson draft class, reading all what people say on Twitter about these dudes constantly. I'm like, and I know I don't believe what they, what they say. I know they're wrong, but instead of me just going back and forth on every comment, you know what? Let me take all these negative comments that I'm reading about these dudes. And when I make my video, I'm going to highlight the hypocrisy that are coming from their words and show how they're wrong and then let that just get out there and sit. And so when, you know, when you're proven right, when Pat Mahomes wins the MVP or Lamar Jackson wins the MVP, they go back to your video and like, damn, this dude was dead on. Like all these people said these things and here, but had I wasted that energy on Twitter, I wouldn't have had that content to that's now renewable content. Yeah, yeah that's like good. 2012 that's yeah. Seahawks video. You know? For sure, so for sure. I use it like, because Twitter right now is like, Every, I, I just find it interesting how so many people could wake up and just be that mad at everything. And, you know, yeah, there's always been effed up things in the world and things are, are really, you know, stressed right now with the pandemic, but none of that matters to your followers or, you know, all, none of those people exist if you just close the app. Like, don't let them ruin your day. Right. <laughs> totally. Totally. Uh, I got one more before we go to this uh, little quick round at the end. How do we, how do we get more inclusive in sports media and specifically how do we add more black talent to sports media in general? I, I talked about this with Ryan Harris a couple of weeks ago and I think, you know, uh, it, it's not hard to tell. I mean, this, the vast majority of black media is our ex players so outside of that, from your perspective as a black man in America, what does the industry have to do to improve there? Stop putting up these walls and these barriers that stop, you know, people that may not look like you to get in. It's funny how certain media outlets 
are willing to take a chance on non-black talent because they feel like, man, it's, you know what? I just feel good about this guy. I got, got a hunch that, you know, I'm going to give him a shot because he got so much raw talent. And they bring him in. I mean, he may not have the credentials, the education, background, whatever, but they just, you know, he reminds me of myself coming up in the industry. You know, if you can't relate to the person, then you're not going to, you know, go above and beyond to make sure that a person gets an opportunity. A prime example, when you look at how, how the fantasy football or regular football industry has happened, people look at us as only being the athlete. And yep, but they right. never look at us as the former college football player who career was ended, but has, you know, some really good takes, an interesting perspective. And no, I, I have to be. Or just the media professional even. Exactly. And right, that's the thing. Right. If you think about how the, you know, and people, that's why I always find this interesting. If you think about what social media is, it's all about what's popping, right? Social media is black culture. Because if you think about what sets trends in this world, from fashion to music to slang, that's all black culture. Right. So when you see these videos of these from training camp or these video team videos coming from their social media account, you would think that would be someone that has, you know, that may be a, be a black person maybe behind it. Because that's just how black people tend to roll. Or, or at least one on the on the at least social one. team. <laughs> <laughs> right. That, so that well, you know what I'm talking about with the Portland Trailblazers and released their social media team. After everybody was like, oh, man, they'd be killing it on social media. And no one in there is, is a person of color. But they're all doing, they're using the same slang that has been made popular on social media by, by black people and, you know, so on and so forth. I think people have to stop. When I talk about putting up those walls, I'm talking about, people looking at blacks under one scope and saying, well, he didn't have the not, he didn't have the traditional pathway to this opportunity saying that he didn't go to Syracuse. He didn't intern at, at ABC and he didn't intern at this outlet. Uh, right, so right, he doesn't right. really, or he or she doesn't really meet the proper, you know, requirements for this position, but this person has the, you know, ex, you know, externship or the internship, they have the degree in, you know, the school of broadcasting from Northwestern. Yeah. But the, you know, that, that person may be trash at what they do, but this person may be exactly what you want and need, but you're putting up a, you're forcibly, forcibly putting up a wall to block that person from getting in. So if people become more open to non-traditional pathways to success, I think that can answer a lot of their problems. It's almost like how you look at a football team. I don't give a damn where this dude came from. I don't care what he is. Can he help me win? Can we win? If we can win, I want him on my team. If this person can do the job, I don't care if they came up through, you know, the Southwest Baptist School of the you know school of God right, or right, right. Ohio State man yeah, so I, you're right you're right people, people got to just be open minded on the pathways everybody's path is different if they do that I think we can answer a lot of diversity questions you know because if you're looking at the same spot if you always go to Nebraska to find people then you're gonna always you know man why do we have so many Nebraskans you know in our in our business well have you been to Ohio no well we only go to Nebraska well that's that's why, you know, so right, people right. have to be more open, expand your, because there's so much talent out here. You see it every day on social media. Right. Absolutely. 
Yeah, great, great, great answer. So let's go to the quick round here. I got three quick questions for you. Then we're going to get you out of here. First question, the most important book to you. And I say I'm, I'm for the listeners, I'm looking at Emery here. There's dozens of books behind him, which is not surprising. I think uh, growers uh, consume a lot of content. So anyway, most important book to you. I would say the, the power of focus. Uh, I forget okay. the author's name, but I do have it on my bookshelf on the off camera, but it's called The Power of Focus. And that's huge because I think one of the things that we suffer as a society is we get sidetracked. And, you know, if we focus on one thing, great things tend to happen. Imagine how much focus it took for people to get to NASA. I mean, to get to space, you know, how much focus that needed to happen. Huh? Or, or to just get to NASA, yeah. yeah or just to get to NASA, right, exactly. Right. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. You do need focus. And, and think about you as a, as a business owner and a content creator, how, much, how many ideas you have. Right. And you have so many ideas like, all right, well, yeah, that's great. It's great to have all those ideas. Find one right now, focus on getting that one out, and then move on to the next one. Second one, most underrated athlete of all time. Underrated athlete of all time. Athlete. Athlete, athlete, athlete. Okay, I'm going to say, and this is somebody from my era, when I think athlete, I think multifaceted. I think someone that can do more than one thing. How great of an athlete is Charlie Ward? Oh, right? man, Charlie Ward is incredible. Someone that won the Heisman Trophy. First of all, to win a Heisman Trophy. In college, I won Scout Team Player of the Week. You couldn't tell me shit for a month. Imagine winning the Heisman Trophy, right? So – Number one, you win the Heisman Trophy. That's like an Academy Award. You win the Heisman Trophy, which means you're one of the best players in college football. It was widely known that you were one of the best quarterbacks, too. But, you know, racial dynamics in 1993 stopped you from being drafted. And Combined in, with being – how tall was he? 6'2". He was oh, oh, oh. declared too short for That's the That's crazy. NFL. I always right? thought of him as short. Yeah, that no, is crazy. Six, I have always two. thought of him as like Kyler Murray, bro. No, 6'2". That is crazy. He was 6'2". And you know what's even worse? This came out this week before I make the the final point. He wanted to be a first-round pick. He understood how good he was. It was like, if I'm not guaranteed to be a first-round pick, then I'm not playing in the NFL. Right, right. The Chiefs went down to Florida, worked him out. Paul Hackett bought the entire squad there, worked him out, and said these things. Charlie Ward was excellent in the workout. He reminded us of Joe Montana. We wanted him. We just wanted him to at least give us a guarantee of the second round. If we could take him in the second round, we would have drafted him. If he's Joe Montana, you take him in the first round. First round, right, right. So, but imagine being Charlie Ward in that sense, totally giving up football and being a first-round pick in basketball. Wow. <laughs> and playing decade-plus in basketball. So you were good enough to play – Football he, and basketball. He may have been an upgrade to Steve DeBerg in Kansas. Yeah, it may have been. Maybe. You think about the time Joe Montana, when Joe Montana left, and you would have had Charlie Ward ready in the – man. Yeah. 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 Okay. Uh, last one. The space or the business that you're most excited about in the near future? The space or – I'm excited about the fact that I can continue to grow this, this, this brand. Now, I love the fact that media is ever-evolving. And so you're trying to find the next thing, the next substantial thing to, to latch on to. For instance, when we started, it was a website. 
I saw video starting to, to pop off. I'm like, all right, I have experience with video and camera work. You know, let's jump on this YouTube wave. Then we saw, you know, people wanted to, to hear more information, but ne didn't necessarily want to watch video. Let me jump on this podcasting thing with this blog talk radio. So I'm excited about what the future holds from a technology standpoint, because there was one point in time where you had to have access to a studio. If you didn't work for the networks, you weren't going to be seen. Those days are over. And the more you can create your own studio, the better you're able to compete. Now, granted, TV will always be bigger because it's, it can reach more people, but you have to be watching TV to see TV. YouTube is everywhere. You pull out your phone while you're waiting, you know, social distancing from somebody and you watch, and then you watch a video. And so I just am excited about the technology that's going to come because I know it's going to make everything that we do that much better. Awesome, man. Let everybody know what you're working on right now. NFL team previews right now, man. They can go on YouTube at youtube.com slash football game plan. Check those team previews out. We're going to be rolling those out every day up until training camp. Those are exciting. Then we have some more content coming. You know, if there's a college football season, uh, we'll be doing some college football conference previews. That's why we hadn't put those out yet. Uh, but we have some other cool – here's the thing, too. You always got to have a plan, and we have a plan if there's no – college football season, or if there's only a truncated, let's say, NFL season, there's so much football to talk about that we're going to always have content. So we have that, those featured presentations and specials just sitting on a, on a ice chest, just chilling out, you know? Great stuff, man. Appreciate you so much, man, and love seeing you keep growing and killing it, and uh, can't wait to see what you do next, man. Appreciate you, Brandon, man. Always a pleasure, man. Thanks for having me on, and, and it's great to see you growing Again, when I get out there to Denver, best believe I'm coming to the bar. You know, wings <laughs> yeah. and food better be great. I know the beer is going to be great. But I'm yeah. more, I'm a foodie, so the food better be on point. Yeah, we have a good burger. I hope you're a burger guy. I'm a burger guy. I'm a food guy. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Yeah, I'm sitting here now upstairs in my, uh, in my office, so can't wait to see you out here, man. Emery Hunt, thanks again, man. Thank you, man. Think about that. You went from not having gas to sitting in your office in your own bar. <laughs> Yeah. Hey, yeah, it's crazy. I mean, it took some years, but that's how it works, right? No shortcuts. But that's all right, cause I'm